When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Fish Reps Unfiltered, episode 21. We are here with Isaac Azut. What's up, Isaac, my co-host and good friend? How's it going? You're looking Makes forward sense. to this one for sure. Yeah, so we have an amazing guest today. We have Alex Aguirre of Lemon City Lime. Uh, he's been with us at the Press Box this year. We've gotten to know him a lot. Uh, great guy. Alex, what's up, man? Happy to have you on. What's up, guys? What's up, Kevin, Isaac? You know, thanks for having me on the show. Thanks for welcoming me in the Press Box. I feel like the rookie in the press box my first season covering the team you know with credentials and everything so and i feel i felt very welcome especially with from the fish strikes family so thank you guys for having me and i'm happy to be on man hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's cousin kevin's kazoo concert in kansas city go kevin or becky's bachelorette bash in bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Excited to have you on, man. Let's get right into it. First question, your thoughts on the Miami Marlins 2022 season so far? There's a lot to unpack, so take your time. Oh, yeah. No, there's definitely a lot to unpack with this season. But, um, you know, when I had... Um, Isaac on my show a couple of weeks ago, um, um, we talked about like, you know, it was like, I think 20, 30 games in. And then we were kind of predicting of like how they'll do in the next 30, 20 to 30 games. And they're kind of, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, kind of on pace of where they were last year in terms of record wise, maybe a couple games off here or there. Um, you know, so that's underwhelming in my opinion. If they're on par or like on pace of what they were a year ago, especially after the acquisitions, I know they're not ideal of like the ideal what the fans are, what we wanted or like wanted to see in, in terms of improvement from the team. But that's that's they're not like that's not good. That's not good. They're on pace from what they were last year. Um, But yeah, I just feel like, you know, if I'm going to grade it, I'll just probably give it like a like a C. Honestly, that's, that's generous in my generous in my opinion, because from comparing it to where they were last season, it's underwhelming. So that's probably the main word I would use to describe the Marlin season up to this point. Underwhelming. Ah, oh, man, this stinks. Yeah, and unfortunately, twenty to go off what you said, this at sixty-one games in in twenty twenty-one, the Marlins were twenty-six and thirty-five, nine games under five hundred, and they go into tomorrow 
six, game number 62, 28 and 33. So just really a four-game improvement on last year. And I think you said the word perfectly. It's underwhelming for sure. Yeah, no, that's exactly what I wanted to tell you, that this team from last season was was not the best. They were pretty much out of that at that point. I think they already played that four-game set against Pittsburgh where you pretty much would say season's over. But yep. yeah, mm-hmm. before we move on right. to the next question. Oh, it was right after? Yeah. <laughs> All right. So before we move on, I wanted to mention Alex's podcast, which is First Pitch 305. You can take a listen to that. Uh, it's on his socials, and you can just search it up on Apple Podcasts. So the next thing I wanted to talk about was actually the pitching rotation itself. Trevor Rogers, mm-hmm. man, just it's just been a bad season. I think he's at a 587 ERA. Walked a career high six guys in his last start against Philly. He had a 4-0 lead entering pretty much right right off the gate and gave it up. He blew the 4-0 lead. I'll go to Isaac here. Just your thought on Trevor's season as a whole so far. It's just been very inconsistent. A guy who just can't make adjustments, it seems like, and can't have a consistent back-to-back good starts, which is, I think, what we're noticing a lot. Yeah, the start you're talking about in Philly, Marlins had a 4-0 lead in the first, and that's one where you can think, okay, maybe the bullpen would be, you know, given a little bit of a break you have one of your three you know horsemen going into the season in trevor rogers and he was just you know it was the worst i've seen him and i really wasn't it seems that he really does struggle against philadelphia i mentioned that on the twitter spaces post game that is like you know that that team knows how to hit him whether he was tipping his pitches or not he couldn't find the strike zone and this year it just seems like the ball's not coming out of his hand with the same you know with the same oomph as it was in 2021 especially in the first half you would say it's a, um, you know, like maybe a sticky stuff thing, but his spin rates are there. It's just the velocity seems to be a little bit down. The location's nowhere near where it was last season. So it's definitely something you got to be worried about. We spoke about this in the group chat. I don't think it's time yet to consider sending him down, but I think if you go into July and he's still got a, a you know, a ERA over five and a half, you gotta, you gotta think of something because he's performing worse than Eliezer almost, and that's tough to say. And a high fly ball to deep left field. This game is tied. A three-run bomb for Reese Hoskins. And no, it's not even that. Now you can't even send him down if you really wanted to because of right. all these injuries, which we'll get into later. But Alex, I mean, what are your thoughts on Trevor so far? Um, it, my thoughts on Trevor, um, you know, I expected to have his, you know, his bumps and bruises and like, you know, his obstacles to overcome as any young pitcher would, especially him. He's not a complete product yet. It's obviously, but um, he had like there, you would expect some improvement or, or, you know, some waves or some flashes of it. Um, his previous start before the one in Philadelphia, he went five innings. He went five solid innings. It wasn't great. He was a little wild, but he was able to buckle down a bit. Granted, it was a, it's a different team. It, you know, you're at home, you're against, you know, Washington, for example. And, uh, for, but for Trevor Rogers, I just feel like his control has been the biggest issue, in my opinion. His con- he's just been very wild, and I don't want to c- start comparing it to the, uh, to him, to this other Marlins, former Marlins pitcher. But he's showing signs of maybe early signs of Adam Conley, you know, like just that hard throwing lefty, but just can't get it together on the mound. He's o- obviously Trevor has shown way more flashes of talent, in, 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 like under his belt already. But um, tre- overall, I feel like just Trevor just hasn't found the control the the velocity is, is there it's, it's kind of concerning a bit that like it hasn't been like consistent with like a high upper 90s but he can still get away with like his um with his height and his reach and everything coming off the mound you know mid 90s is not too bad either but um for me i just think the control if you gotta lock that down first once you can lock the control down then um i think everything will start falling into place but i just you know it's been a little disappointing to see Right, and you mentioned him to Adam Conley. It's a funny thing because last season, the one thing that he could have sort of improved on was going deeper into games. Mm-hmm. And if you know, if that obviously he has, he hasn't been able to do so, even if he wanted to, or even if he could this year because of just lack of performance. So that is something they may have to consider before they even try maybe sending him down. Is is he a future guy in the bullpen? Because you know, last season mm-hmm. he, he rarely went over 100 pitches. I know he, he, you know, he was a high school draft pick out of 20 in 2017. So, you know, it, it is tough to just, you know, sort of throw him out there for 200 innings. But that is definitely an area for concern. And that was last year. And it's carried over into this year. Maybe and another I'm thing gonna, I want to like, sorry, Kevin, when you know, tell me to piggyback on Isaac, kind of like a hypothetical Marlins uh, situation with Trevor is that, you know, a transition into the bullpen maybe could be useful for him to maybe sort things out for himself. But also, um, I'm kind of like I'm packaging something else with but Richard Blyer has been really, you know, inconsistent and struggling a lot this season. 
Um, so you change. So with moving Trevor to the bullpen, you kind of change their dynamic because, yes, Richard was their primary lefty out of the bullpen. But now if you use Trevor out of the bullpen, you got a big power throwing lefty kind of goes with today's mold right. of MLB bullpen. So, you know, you know, who knows? You know, he's still finding his groove as a young pitcher in the MLB. So I just feel like, you know, maybe it could be a win win for himself and for the team if that if they do end up making that transition to the bullpen. There was a recent report that came out today, Thursday, and we'll get into this one quickly because we don't know how credible this is, to be honest with you. Eli was mentioning um, the, the person that showed it. I don't know if he has the tweet up, but Ramon Laureano possibly coming to Miami. Uh, they put in quotes, pushing hard for the Ramon Laureano trade. And hmm. there's a lot of ways where we could go with this. And I'll start with Alex. I mean, what would Ramon Laureano bring to the Miami Marlins? And then we'll go into some trade hypotheticals. Well, I feel, you know, right off the bat, Ramon can bring an, up, an upgrade on the defensive side of things for the Miami Marlins. Um, and the perfect example is what, not a perfect example, but it's just something that's kind of like you sh- kind of sigh and kind of shrug your shoulders to when you see is that play in the ninth inning with Jesus Sanchez in, in Philadelphia, in the last game in the series finale. It was just more like, uh, you know, like it's kind of like, I get it. He's still learning and, and another player finding his groove at a new position at the highest level, you know, that's very difficult to ask, you know, and, and, and especially in Marlins Park, a very spacious park as well. But, you know, I just feel like um, Ramon's going to be a huge lift for this team. I wish he bat left-handed because <laughs> just to give it like another lefty bat in the lineup, but um, he's just going to be um, a huge lift um, for in the outfield speed wise as well. Another threat on the base pass. The Marlins can use that to their advantage. That's kind of one of their strengths the last couple of years as well. And then another spark plug in the clubhouse. In the lot, and you know, I've seen clips in him of this past couple of games in Oakland of him riling up the team in the dugout. Now, can that be a good or bad thing? We'll see. But I'm sure you know he'll keep things more on a calm side of things when he when he if he does arrive in Miami. But I feel like his energy is just a positive for this team. Yeah, uh, and I actually I think the thing that's more important when it comes to this specific specific player, you know, more important than the defense. You mentioned that you know, Tuvay's not left-handed. I think they need a lefty crusher. That's the one thing that they really lack. You know, they have a lot of these right-handed bats, but none of them really excel against left-handed pitching. And Ramon Laureano in his career is a significantly better hitter. He's an 18 OPS against lefties versus 777 against righties. So I think that's something that could really come into play for this team that really has no one that really cranks the righties. A lot of them have reverse lefties, I'm sorry. A lot of them have these reverse splits where they play better against right-handed hitters like Brian Anderson, Jesus Aguilar, all these guys. They struggle for some reason against lefties and the soft-tossing lefties especially. Yeah, just looking at Loriano's stats this season, 254, 336, 377, 713, two homers, eight RBIs, five stolen bases, 31 hits, 16 runs, and 122 at-bats. So just remember, Loriano was suspended for 26 games. Um, so, you know, for him to be doing this at this rate in the season, percentile is pretty much all in red, just a little bit, uh, just a couple in white. But besides that, no, he he's looks good. I mean, you put him in center field, I would feel a lot more confident about this outfield. But now what I said about trade hypotheticals, what do you do? Because you do have to get rid of someone on the major league team to bring this guy on pretty much. You know, you would have to deal from the outfield. There's Jesus Sanchez in big leagues, which he has not been doing good. Oakland, I definitely would assure you they would like a Jesus Sanchez in right field. Then you have in the minor leagues, you have Lewin, Blade, Burdick, Gerard even. So, Alex, you know, when you look to make this type of a deal for Laureano, what would you have to go with? This is a guy who does have a couple of years of control left. So, you're keeping him here until past 2023, with it, which is why – the Marlins really would were looking to make a trade for Laureano in the offseason itself. And yeah, here's Laureano, how he um, got the raise. The, the the athletics riled up, and I think they scored five runs. Yep, there it is after the inning. So, yeah, <clears throat> excuse me. Like, so, I, like I said, that kind of energy can be a good or a bad thing, depending how a team responds. Um, but I feel like maybe that's the type of fire, you know, kick in the butt, I guess, Miami maybe might need to make a push for a wild card spot. Um, but in terms of a trade package or in terms of what the Marlins can maybe offer to get Ramon, I would, I don't want to, I do not want to see them part ways with Jesus Sanchez. I'm still, I'm still, you know, hoping that can blossom and that can be a finished product because he has shown, and I'm, and like, this is a stretch, I understand, but he has shown me glimpse of his, his physique and his type of style of Jordan Alvarez 
in Houston, kind of like that nice swing of a left, you know, big left. You know, it's a stretch. I understand that because he's it's still he's still you know learning and finding. It's hard to balance, you know, trying to hit at the big league level and then learning a new position as well. Mentally, I I figure that can be a huge, huge you know obstacle to overcome. But so I don't want them to see part ways with Jesus. And in terms of the minor league system, you know, maybe Lowen Diaz, he um, or I don't want to see them part ways with Blade either. I, I just, there's something about good left-handed hitters and like, and in, in especially the outfield, I just, I, I really want them to see them like grow and, do, and be uh, good major league players. So maybe Gerard or Diaz, if I had to part, if I had to pick one of uh, like out of the group that you mentioned, probably one of those two Diaz or Gerard Encarnacion. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm definitely with you on the uh, reluctance to part with uh, Jesus Sanchez. I think he's shown enough in the big leagues, especially last season. He hit one 494 freaking feet this year. He's got a cannon of an arm. He's, you know, he's a good player. And I think that Miami, I don't think they should get, they should part with him. I know that Roman Loriano is an established big leaguer, but I disagree with you that I would, you know, I think Blade for Loriano, one for one, or Miami might need to throw in a little bit more mm. because, you know, Blade, you know, has been back to struggling a little bit. He's someone that I, I don't think I would think twice on, on packaging for a, a guy like Roman Loriano. No, yeah. I mean, but then it comes to the question. Let's say they do make this trade. They got Ramon Laureano. Where do you put him in, and who do you bench in the outfield? Because you're not going to bench the fifty-three right. million dollar man. They're paying him thirteen mil a season. Sanchez would be the guy to bench, and probably DLC goes down. Is what you look at, it, unless you really want to bench Jorge Soler, who they may be wanting to try to keep and want him to opt into that deal. So it's a lot of moving pieces in there, and maybe you part away with Aguilar on a separate deal, and you put Soler as your full-time DH. Then things change a little bit there where you could put Sanchez in left field or right field and swap Avi and then that that's when it maybe looked would look better. Yeah, and just you know, the only reason we're having this conversation is because you know we sort of think that they're trying to like stay relevant in this season. June mm-hmm. 16th, five games under, multiple games out of first in the NL East. They're still somewhat sort of relevant in the NL wild card. Our best expert, Eli Sussman, has lost hope on this season, and I, a lot of us may be following his path. But the question is, is the season all but over? And if it is, where does Miami go from here? Do they go for, a, let's say they lose 90 games this season. Where do they go from here? What do they do? Is this a full-on rebuild? Do they sort of keep these guys and sort of try to add to it and be better with their money this offseason? What would you do if you were in Kim Meng's position? Uh, Kevin, you want to go for it or first? Uh, or? You, go for it. you go for it. Okay, okay, I'll go for it. Um, that's a tough question because, oh, gosh, I would I would hate to see another 90-loss season especially after the money they invested, the improvements that these young players, specifically their pitchers like Paulo and Sandy, the, the, you know, the strides they have made in the last few years. Um, seeing another rebuild, I feel like if it does, if the, if the season ends up like, you know, 90 to 100 lost season, yes, I do see a, a rebuild coming um, for the Miami Marlins. But um, then, then the question comes then, you know, obviously the veteran players, the ones you part ways with to get, you know, you know minor league talent, you know, prospects, things like that. But what, but at some point, the Miami Marlins need to establish a core of players, because if you look, if you want to, because they always mention Houston and Houston and the way in the way they did it and then the, the core they built. That's fine. That's It's a great model to follow. But they were able to have, develop a core of players. And I get it. Like the, the prospects from the past of Brinson and Harrison and Sierra, that didn't work out. But now you have a new wave of prospects or still some prospects that still haven't come up to the big league level that you haven't given a, a real chance yet. And um, I, like, I just feel like the, the job's not done yet with like what's left on the table. And mm-hmm. but if if there's not if it's a ninety to hundred loss um, season for that for the Marlins, then yes, I see a rebuild is in the future for them. You know, Alex, I, you I, if I remember correctly, when Houston and what was the other rebuilding team, the Cubs, they did these the they did these rebuilds. I sort of vaguely remember on Twitter these arguments saying they did it wrong by sort of going for pitching, 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 and getting the hitters later. The Cubs, you know, they got the hitters, it seemed like. You know, they had Baez, they had Brian, they had Rizzo, they had all these guys. The the Astros as well. They had the whole infield of Altuve, Correa, Springer in center field. Is Which way would you, you know, which way do you think is the most efficient way? Do you, get, do you have that core of offensive players and just sort of get pitching to supplement it, or do you do vice versa, like what Miami did? have that myriad of starting pitching and supplement it with offense because Miami did the pitching way and it didn't work. I mean, I felt like, you know, like it's, it's you know, it's easier like say saying this, looking back on it, yeah. but it's, 
and compared to other sports, I feel like it's super hard to draft in baseball and yes. and, and, and and develop talent, you know, because there's going to be years in between and they make their debut at the big league level, um, you know, depending how good they are. You know, you're going to have your players like Trout and Acuna that you're, they're going to have a, a, a cup of coffee at the minor league level and then, you know, make a big splash um, once they make their debut. But um, the Marlins just have struck out too many times on position player talent when it comes to drafting or trading because when, yeah, we can do another rebuild and trade for all these prospects and all these young, young talent, but that's what they did with, you know, um, with Pablo, you know, they got, they got lucky, not lucky, but they were able to get, you know, a good prospect with Pablo Lopez and, you know, with Sandy, but the other position players and these other big trades from the past, they didn't really blossom into anything. And that's, the gamble that they're going to play with that they do decide to go on a full-blown rebuild is, okay, you're going to trade part ways with Soler and Garcia and Aguilar and even Cooper and all these like, veteran players that you can get, you know, prospects for. Now, now the front office needs to put, you know, I guess their thinking cap on or, or I guess, you know, put into second gear because this is, you know, the future now. So don't, and don't repeat what you did or the previous um, ownership or I guess or in previous drafts and in pre like in previous trades, don't repeat the same mistakes. Just get this rebuild cor cor uh, correct this time. Because if not, then look what happened the past five years. You yeah. know, it's just you don't want another repeat of, okay, we're going to rebuild for five years and we're going to get improved little by little every year. And there, that hasn't been the case. So if they're going to go on a rebuild, don't strike out on the trades and, and don't strike out on the draft picks. And not only that, I mean, you mentioned getting better and better. This rebuild, they got worse and worse. I mean, exactly, you went from 2018 yeah. to 2019. They go from less than 100 wins to over 100 wins. I think it was like 105 or something like that in 2019. So, yeah, you're completely right. But not only that, you have to fire Don Mattingly. I mean, if, if, if you get to that point, you have to fire Donnie. They, they, I know people are wanting him gone already, but he's not going anywhere. He's going to stay. You know, as long as this team is in it, I guess you could say in it with quotation marks because they're technically in it at the moment. They're just five games out of it, and they're having a better season than 2021 technically. Mm -hmm. You... He's gonna stay. I mean, the the worst case scenario is he's gone for in the All Star break, and you get a new manager there. But you may you know Kim Ang hasn't done the best job either. When you look at it, just some things that haven't been working. She hasn't been able to hit on talent. You know, Avi Garcia, one good season, and you're paying him for past production at the moment. For that one season is what you're paying him. Miggy Rowe, that extension isn't looking too hot right now. Isaac has mentioned Blair. You mentioned him at the start that extension isn't looking too good right now. And Solaire is getting it going. So that one looks a little bit better, but. Yeah, no, that it, you're gonna have to make some moves at the front office as well. I don't know what they'll do with Gary Denbo because I know that's another one, but you can't miss on prospects. Miami's missed on too many. That whole Lewis Brinson trade completely missed out on it. The John Carlos trade is looking horrid right now because Jorge Guzman's no longer in your organization, and Jose Devers just got injured the other yesterday, uh, some lower injuries. So we'll, we'll see what happens, but hopefully Miami stays in it. I'm one of the optimists that want to stay in it, but this New York series is very telling. So. Let's move on back to the major league team itself this season with the injuries. There was a lot of injuries that went down. We'll probably talk. We've already talked about them on Fish Stripes Live, but again, taking a little bit deeper of a dive here. Uh, Cole Solster on the 15-day IL, Eddie Cabrera on the 15-day IL, Luzardo transferred to the 60-day IL, Anderson mm -hmm. Wendell still out. Who comes up? You know, what type of roster moves do you make? Because on the road trip, it's a little bit difficult to make these moves. You're pretty much going to rely off your taxi squad and what you have there. Which at the moment, I know. Jimmy, Jimmy Jacobonis was on it. Luis Avilas was on there. Uh, Gerard was on there. He was sent back to AAA. So we'll start with Isaac here. What would you do with all this roster management? As you mentioned, I think Brian Hoeing is who you mentioned at the start to come up and start because I don't expect Dan Costano to have another Senate six-and-a-half-inning shutout start on back-to-back -back days, which would be very surprising. Yeah, well, like you said, since they're on the road, they're really going to depend on that taxi squad, and it's just really peculiar to me the reasoning i would love to ask you know what the reasoning was for having those specific guys like zabala and luis avila's jr you know and especially having someone like gerard who he gets at bats every single day so to have an offensive player you know it's okay if you have you know a, a bench bat guy on the taxi squad but to have one of your top prospects on the taxi squad and he sat there in philly for three days you know he's facing no no pitching so two days two days two days so not the best you know form of you know handling your top prospects in my opinion but while they're in New York, they're going to have to depend on the guys like, you know, like Lewis Head and Jimmy Yacobonis and and hope that they can, you know, hold their own, hope pray, hope and pray for a split in New York. And when they come home, I think you're going to see a lot of roster moves. I think you're going to see maybe one of those double-A 
bullpen pieces come up because they need it. The rotation needs help and the bullpen needs help drastically. So they have a lot of work to do once they come back to Miami. Yeah, and looking at that, you know, you mentioned the double-A guys. Uh, you have Colin Hawk down there, you have Yan, Josh Simpson, uh, and then we go to triple-A. There's some other guys, but Alex, I mean, what would you do in this case with the roster management? Um, you know, you have the roster here in front of you. That pitching rotation doesn't look too strong right now. It doesn't look like the one we're thinking we would have throughout the whole season, especially with now the injuries of Luzardo, Eddie Cabrera now going down after a very strong start to the 2022 season, but... Well, what type of roster management would you make here when you come back to Miami specifically? You know, it's funny how like less than half a season, how a narrative of a team can change, you know, going to the season and, you know, last season as well. Um, the strength of this team was pitching and, you know, how the abundance of pitching this team has. And thank God that, you know, they're still able to kind of fill in the gaps, if you will, because with the amount of depth that they have. But that depth is running out. It's running out little by little by little. And at, for me, just, just to answer your question, for me, I will just continue riding out with Castano and Garrett. You know, I I wouldn't want to keep continue dipping into the minor league system um, just to filling gaps. Like, like at, at some point or another, you're going to have to see at a, at a big for a big sample size or a bigger portion, you're going to have to see um, Castano and Garrett. And all these other, and other, and and player and all these other players, you know, perform not in a couple starts here and there, but show, show, showcase what they can provide, just to get a clear cut answer of who, who they really are. So dipping into the minor league system consists continually. I don't think is the right answer, um, but uh, maybe for the bullpen, definitely. If, if, if there's one, if I had to pick one area between the, the starting rotation and the bullpen in terms and and tapping into the minor league system, it will be for the bullpen right now. So I feel like looking at you know the starting rotation with Sandy, uh, Trevor, Castano. Um, we still uh, you know Pablo's situation. We don't is he going to come back for his next starter? That's going to be pushed back again. That's wait to see. He didn't. Donnie didn't rule out the fact that he could pitch tomorrow in New York or you know okay. this weekend in New York. But I would be sort of surprised if he pitches tomorrow. But I think that's that's who they you know tentatively have lined up. Best case scenario, I would say, would be Sunday just to let him wait it out a little bit. You'll you'll get going but so we'll this rotation's on, this rotation's kind of like on band-aids but it's not on co in like code red mode you understand you, know, if you get right. what i mean it's not like the panic mode hasn't been hit yet in my opinion for the starting rotation but it's on like it's on it's on its last legs it's on it's on its, it's like on yeah yeah and um but at the end of the day we have to see what these other like these pitchers garrett and castano provide because it's not going to do them any good just like um, every year, you know, come up for two, three starts and be sent back down, and then the so on and so forth. They drafted them, they traded for them for a reason. Let's yeah. see what they have. Um, yeah. And I'm not gonna say, oh, they're gonna be great and it's gonna, you know, propel their season. You know, probably probably not. But we we will get an answer to see what type of pitchers they actually are at this level. And it, and if that's the route that this team is gonna take in terms of development and seeing what the younger guys have to offer and seeing what the prospects down low have to offer, then I'm okay with. Because at least they have an, a clear-cut direction of what they plan to do. Okay, we're going to rebuild. We're going to see what our minor league system has to offer, and then we'll continue in the offseason. But um, in terms of the short-term re uh, resolution, just bolster that bullpen with, with, some, with somebody called by calling somebody up. But right now, the rotation is, is what you see is what you get. It's, it's plain and simple, you know. That, that depth is, has run out. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. 
Yeah, and Braxton Garrett has actually been pretty good. I mean, besides yeah. that one rough up start right at the end of the seat, right at the end of it, that start against San Francisco, one pitch, one grand slam. That's no, I'm talking about uh, the San Francisco start. Besides that, he was okay. Mm-hmm. In Houston, he was lights out. There's, there's just no other way to say it. But let's move on to the usual minor league report we usually do here, starting from low A going up. Low A, 31-26, over 500. Khalil Watson just can't get it going for some reason. 234, 273, 391, 664, seven homers, thir- 31 RBIs. Isaac just – what's the issue with Khalil Watson here? We haven't seen too much because there's not much video when it comes to Jupiter, but – you know, we could see the stats are obviously dipping, and he's not really getting it going. Yeah, he got off to a torrid start in his career last season. You know, in the FCL, he hit, I think he had an OPS of over 1,100. He wasn't striking out an insane amount. He was striking out, but, you know, not too, you know, not, it wasn't alarming. This season, he got off to just as good of a start, video game numbers, and then it went downhill quick. I think he had a WRC plus of maybe like in between 10 and 20. It, it was horrific. And in 200, and, actually, no, on 192 at bats, he struck out 85 times. And that's just not sustainable. And he's doing that at A ball. You know, it's no longer rookie ball, it's A ball. He is a very young guy. He's a high school draft pick. But, you know, you'd hope that he would at least, you know, just hold his own, at least with a, with a swing and miss. But he's not really walking. He has nine walks versus those 85 strikeouts. He's hitting for a little bit of power. He's, but it's really, unfortunately, it's really underwhelming for him so far for Miami's 16th overall pick in the 2021 draft. For a, a really consensus top five talent he was. He was supposed to go top five in the draft, and he just hasn't gotten it going, unfortunately. Yeah, Alex, I don't know if you have anything to add on him. I mean, the, the strikeout is the most glaring aspect of his of his game or his approach right now on the offensive side of things. Um, something he can clean up on. Like, like Isaac said, he's a very, very young uh, prospect, still very raw. You know, so I'm, you know, like, you know, it's not too concerning of what, of, of, cause there's still, I think, plenty of time to clean that up. Um, but it's, but it kind of goes back to what I was saying a little bit earlier of let's not, or as front office, let's not keep striking out on these picks or over when we trade for prospects. I know it's so hard to gauge, it's so hard to tell because of the process that these players go through from when they're traded for, when they're drafted, till they make their debut. They can it, it can go south or it can get even better. You know, it's just so hard to tell sometimes. But it just seems like something's got to change, a cult, like culture change, uh, a, a regiment change. I don't know the clear clear cut answer, but it's just I don't want to see this trend. I don't want to see this. Well, uh, I don't want to see Watson go down the path of a, of a Monte Harrison, a Lewis Brinson, you know, a Magnus Sierra. Like it just. You, they're on paper, like they look like athletes. They look like studs, but when it, when when the lights are finally on and when it's time to play, it, it, it just doesn't come together. So, but it's still it's still way down the line. I feel like he has a lot of room to grow and, and polish up his game. Yeah, the guy's only eighteen. Yeah, just because yeah, of how good Miami has been at developing pitching, they cannot develop any hitters. You would think of the guys that were youngish, you know, Jazz and Hastings as the two that have really flourished a little bit at the major leagues, more so Jazz. They were all developed by other teams, and they were traded for later in their minor league career. So you really can't give it that Marlins any credit for that. There really are no, you know, homegrown guys at the moment that this regime has developed. You know, their first, you know, their first draft was filled with Connor Scotts and um, Will Banfields and Tristan Pompey's, and none of those. Pompey's gone now too, right? And yeah. you know, the second draft it was Blade, it was Meisner. They haven't come to fruition either. They have not homegrown a single one. Of their guys, Nick Fortes is the best example of someone that oh, had really been drafted in 2018 and has come through and has, you know, performed, albeit in a very small sample size. But if, if I'm unless I'm missing someone, he's the one guy who they've developed, they've chosen, developed, and succeeded in the major leagues. No one else. So it's a. Uh, I think if this season goes south, they really got to look in their development department, hitting development department, look at Gary Denville and see if they can improve because it's really been. It's been horrid. On paper, like you said, Alex, Connor Scott, great hitter. They could have gotten someone better, but I'll go there. Blade, you know, I think he won the crazy award and he led the SEC in home runs. All these guys, these great picks, and they're just not developing at the rate that they would hope. Yeah, we'll get into some of those guys now, but one of them who has been just on fire, Ian Lewis, also in that low A team in Jupiter, 305 batting average, 348, 429, 776, two homers, four RBIs. This guy's lighting it up. I mean, Alex, what are your thoughts on Ian Lewis? I think he was one of the uh, draft. He was an international signing, if I'm correct. I think he was an international signing. Um, I mean, it's it's great. It's it's just 
I feel like we've been we've been hearing like for like the players that as I mentioned, you know, Blade, um, you know, Meisner, like players that are a little bit older now in their uh, minor league careers. But we were hearing uh, um, news like that as well of players like that killing it and doing amazing, you know, at low A or at high and like just like you know, okay, that's great. But then when you get to double A, double A is the most com- competitive part or I guess competitive level of the minor league system. Let's see if they can make that jump. You know, let's see if, you know, when they get there, like just, I, I just hate putting expectations on pro- and prospects in baseball because one year to the next, everything can go south. Look at Tyler Kolick. I know it's a bit of a blast um, of, of a name, but like everyone was so high on him and he was lighting it up and then, you know, injuries kind of derail things and whatnot and then control issues. And then that's it, you know? So it's just, I hate expectations on, on, on young prospects, but it's, it's good to have a position player to look forward to in the future. Cause we were, we were, you know, it's just all this pitching, 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 but you got to balance it out. And so you can make those comparisons to the Cubs and the Astros because they were able to find a balance and then sprinkle in like their veterans, like uh, Michael Brantley, Evan Gaddis at the time, you know, like, it's just like, like, like they were able to find the right formula that the Marlins haven't been able to find in terms of drafting, developing, and then signing free agents. You know, it's just putting it all together. hasn't worked yet for them. And I think the thing with drafting is they're making good picks because on paper, these guys look like right. good options. It's when they go into the system, they can't get developed at all hitting. I mean, JJ Blade is hitting bombs. Yeah, that's nice. But his batting average is, through, is on the floor at the moment. Connor Scott immediately leaves the Marlins. I think the guy's hitting 290-something in double-A or low-A, wherever he is at the moment. He's playing well. I mean, that's, that's the thing. It's It's been hitting development because pitching, look at Yuri Perez. This, this guy is dominating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, you never know if he makes his debut sooner, sooner rather than later, as I think I predicted on one of our episodes here. So the last guy I want to mention is someone who I think we're pretty high on here, uh, Jose Salas. He's actually gotten it going a little bit, 258 batting average, three, 344 OBP, seven, 376 slugging, 721 OPS, two homers, 17 RBIs. Isaac, I mean, Salas is getting it going. He's got it going, to be honest with you. What are your thoughts on him so far? Just looking at the week, the two-week report. Yeah, I mean, to me, it would have just been more efficient to just go through the whole infield as one. You know, Khalil, Ian Lewis, Jose Salas, Joe Mack. Um, Salas, one of my favorite of, you know, of the whole infield. He's, I think he's going to be a third baseman when it's all said and done. He did get off to that, you know, tough, tough start, but he's got it going, like you said. And he's going to be a good ball player. I think he's going to be fine. He's a very, very young. I think, he, if I'm not mistaken, I believe he's younger than Khalil Watson. Um, but yeah, I don't no, think he, He's gonna be fine. Let me double check really quick. Oh, they're the only other guy, almost identical age. He is two days younger than. Oh no, ten days younger. There you go. He's ten days younger than uh, Kilo Watson. So yeah, he uh, you know international from Venezuela. I'm very much looking forward to his development as well. Yeah, and the last guy I think we can mention is Joe Mack. He's been injured, so we're not going to go too into him. But, you know, what he has shown so far in like four plate appearances, a 308 batting average, 438 OBP, 650 slugging. 1.053 1.053 OPS, one homer, two RBIs. So we'll leave it at that. And then higher. That this is a very interesting level because this team just got off to a horrible start. So Yanamo Martinez, we could get into Dax Fulton, Cody Morris, Tanner Allen. We'll just get into those guys very quickly. But I guess the one name that has really gone into like been out there is Yanamo Marinez. I think is how you mentioned it. 292 batting average, 327 OBP, 787 OPS, seven homers, 23 RBIs. What can we really expect out of this guy? I know if we would add Alex, he would tell us a lot more. Alex Carver, fish on the farm, but Alex Aguirre, I mean, <laughs> this prospect all of a sudden just popping out. I mean, he when we were talking to Carver, he was telling us top 35, top 40 guy, but you know, I don't know if you have anything on this guy. I mean, Alex Carver, I and mean, when it comes to like you know, his like his dedication and what his knowledge of what the, the Marlins minor league system is superb, so I'll back up anything that he says. But in terms of just of just building this, you know, creating that depth, you know, in term in the in the minor league system, and it's it's a it's a positive sign to see. And you know, I'm improving whatever. I don't have much to say about about um, that player in particular, but yeah, I, I, Carver has my has my support for sure. You know, I could like, you know, like in, when in, when it comes to finding out what's going on in the minor league system for the Mons, he is the man. Period. Yeah. We'll definitely come back to this guy probably in two weeks once we find out more. But the last guy I want to mention in this system is Tanner Allen in low A and high A. I'm sorry, hitting 222, 268, 365. Just what's happened to this guy all of a sudden? He was one of the best guys in that team and just taking a huge dip. Isaac, if you want to get into him a little bit. 
Yeah, we spoke about it before. Oh, there, we... There's a report. Larry, Larry Larson. Fully expecting Yama Marinas to be cracking Marlon's top prospect. Yeah, the guy's just been killing it. It's, it's crazy. He played first and third and pretty much that whole infield. So, yeah, let's get it quickly into Tanner Allen here and just to move on then to nice. one of the most fun parts of the minor league system, double A. Um, yeah, just one of the better college bats out of that 2021 draft class. Unfortunately, just hasn't been able to impact the ball. We spoke about it before we started recording this pod with Eli. Um, just tough to see. You know, I, I, I've heard raving reviews about him from, you know, former teammates of mine and former opposite, like opposing players of mine. And he just hasn't gotten it going. He just doesn't seem to be impacting the ball. Um, we were talking about his, you know, lack of size a little bit. He's 5'11", 190. So he's about as tall as I am with a little bit more muscle. So, you know, you're not, I, mean, I was a little surprised to see to see him struggle the way he is at a pretty low level of the minors considering he's a, he's a college guy. Yeah, and the final – and then let's move on to one of the more – Fun parts: the first place Pensacola Blue Wall, who is the Double A team, and maybe the hottest hitter in the whole minor league system for the Miami Marlins. Maybe even in all of ba- in all of minor league baseball, Troy Johnston. The guy's just hitting like crazy. Hit a he had a walk off just last night. We're, again, recording this Thursday, three seventeen batting average, three eighty OBP, eight seventy five OPS, seven homers, thirty six RBIs. Alex Aguirre, man, this guy. You know, 26 years old, he'll be getting his promotion to AAA very, very soon. Just the way he's been smashing AA pitching, which we could all agree is probably the hardest level to play in any minor league system. 100%. You know, he's been lighting lighting up like just um, in terms of like the minor league new, uh, news, he's been lighting up for the Marlins. He, and, and we go back to a left-handed hitter, you know, you know, and he plays for his base, corner outfield spots as well. So he provides you know a little bit of you like you can play multiple positions but he's what you want to see someone that's improving step by step along the way and 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 showing you know growth at each level and not and not not being stagnant at at one certain level and and just being stuck so i'm so i'm on the train i'm on the troy troy train 100 i want i'm all aboard that because that he can definitely you know in the near future, be what the Marlins have been lacking, especially in the lineup. At a certain, at a certain point, this team needs to stop filling the gaps with like uh, with uh, veterans and you know start giving these young guys a chance. Because we, to be honest with you, I did not expect Jesus Aguilar to be to be on this on the team for this for this long of a time. I thought yeah. he was more of a stopgap player, you know, because that we had Diaz in the you know in the system. And you know, and now at least we have, or the Marlins have Troy in there, and, and you know, to look forward to, to you know, maybe man the man first base in the near future. So I, you know, he provides options, and the Marlins don't, I guess, have, you know, other than Diaz and, and maybe Blade, I don't know, like that power bat, and but also they can hit for average because Conine. I'm thinking, I'm also thinking of Conine as well. He's a power guy, but he strikes out a lot. You know, you know, like he doesn't really do like you know, as a power guy, typical pro, you know, protocol power guy. So no, I'm all I'm all bored of uh, Troy Johnson and, and and his production, his recent production. I feel like you know he's gonna get his call soon. Yeah, definitely, and especially he's 26 years old, so he's gonna right. be a, he's gonna have to move up the minor league system a little bit quicker than usual because a 26 year old in Double A is you don't really see that too often. But mm-hmm. there's only one more in that system with. At 26 years old, and that's Colton Hawk, which we mentioned. Uh, Isaac, I mean, Yuri Perez. Wow, this guy. I just had Yuri Day last night. I don't know exactly how he did, but I'm pretty sure he dominated because he won that game. <laughs> and just your thoughts on Yuri so far. And how soon can we see this guy wearing the Miami Marlins uniform in that rotation? Because I know with all these injuries, a guy may come up soon. At some point, you never know. Yeah, last night you mentioned it. Another Yuri Day, five innings. Four hits, one and run, five K, zero walks. He has just been lights out. He's one of the youngest guys in that level. Like you said, double A, toughest competition by far. For him to start this season, not to start the season, but to start the season, I think at A ball. Or he sorry, he started at double A. I'm sorry about that. He started double A. He started double A. He's made ten starts and he's pitching phenomenally. He's striking out more than more than about an inning, which is very impressive. And he's got 63 Ks in 46 innings. Um, hmm. I'm very excited. I really hope my bold prediction does come through. Whether they're, the Marlins are in it or they're not, it won't be. 
But in September, maybe you see a make one start, and uh, I think that would that would bring a lot of excitement to the future of what this could be of a Sandy, Yuri, and Edward, and all those you know six five and above guys in the rotation. That's going to be a lot of fun. All those yeah, flamethrowers, you know, all those guys that can throw hard and have a lot of movement on their on their on their fastball, or I guess their sinker, if you want to call it, you know. And then of course, like they're not, you know, the nasty changeup that Cabrera has. It's a lot to look forward to with Perez. Uh, like um, he. But then again, it's just another pitcher, you know, that it's that they they were, they were able to develop and grow, you know. So, um, but I don't think in terms of for calling a parrot like Paris, like in, in the near future, hmm, maybe maybe what I just said, maybe a, st a start at the end of the season. But I don't, to be honest with you, me personally, I don't expect him to appear, make his appearance to the Marlins this season. May, but definitely for next season, like one hundred percent. Like this is definitely some a pitcher that the Marlins need like uh, to, to, to start in their rotation next year. Yeah, I think the most from Yuri in, in terms of roster movement is him maybe making the AAA. He, he definitely needs to make it up there to AAA. Maybe if it's right at the end of the, the season like they were there with Max Meyer. I know it was because of another reason, but maybe right. get Parrot, Yuri up there to, to AAA, see how he does against that talent, which shouldn't be, you know, nothing crazy because some of these guys are long-term MLB journeymen who just pretty much are out of it at this point or, Guys who are at the cusp of the MLB, and look at that. That was from yesterday during Yuri's press conference. So let's, and then the last guy I will mention here, I think you kind of glimpsed at him, was Griffin Conan. We mentioned the strikeout rate. He's at a 38.2 strikeout rate at the moment. So it's even higher than last season, which was 37. Mm, His yes. walk rate has gone down as well, which is an 8.7 walk percent walk rate. It's, it's very concerning, the strikeout rate. But the thing with Conan is, He's hitting a lot more for contact instead of power, which is something I've very much noticed, which is incredible. I talked to Aram Layton, who is friends with Conan and covers this more than I do. And he that's pretty much – and I think I was on the point, on point with that. So hopefully he gets it going in double A. And actually, wait. He's at a 37.3K rate, 12.3 walk rate. Okay. I was completely wrong on that. But, yeah, let's move on to the final level before we wrap this pod up. Triple A, just any guys that you come up to you – up, up, come up to your mind, Isaac. Um, there's one guy and one guy only. I know we should be talking about Blade. We should be talking about Burdick, but um, it's Gerard, the guy who was on the Texas card who went to Philadelphia just in case you know something went down with Avi's left hand. He's a guy, man. I've said it. He's you know he's been on this 40 man for a very long time. He's got as much raw power as anyone in the system. We saw him hit some bombs in spring training in 2019. Then he had one a couple this year as well. He's a guy where, you know, it's a shame, like Alex mentioned, that, you know, Jesus Aguilar wasn't considered that stopgap. They decided to sort of ride him into, like, their quote-unquote contention time. And it's they've just blocked two guys. You know, Lewin Diaz, gold glove defense, with one of the top first-base prospects in all of baseball. And they're blocking Gerard Encarnacion, who's, you know, one of the highest-ceiling offensive pieces that they have in their system. So, like I said, really, really concerning roster construction, roster moves by this, you know, baseball operations department because those are two guys that i would much rather see than you know he's Aguilar has been great he's been a pivotal part of this team for the last three mm -hmm. years but at some point like alex mentioned you have to see what these kids have either trade them trade Aguilar, but you just can't keep them in triple a forever these guys have like i said 40 man for a very long time since 2019 he's been on the 40 man what are you what are we doing here so he's the guy for me yep. and you know like you mentioned Eliezer hernandez starts today we'll, <laughs> we'll probably see him sooner rather than later yeah, and the last thing I'll mention with Gerard is you mentioned 2019 spring training because the guy's been on the 40, man, for almost three years. It's, you know, at some point this guy's going to make his MLB debut because they already were reluctant enough to call him up for Avi. So we know they'll throw him in the outfield is what we expect, which is not the most ideal spot for him. The most ideal is probably first base or DH. But, you know, if, if he can make it, if they'll bring him up at some point, I'll be happy with that. You mentioned Blade and Burdick. Those guys have just not been good. You know, Burdick went from, minor league player of the year for the Marlins to now just being mediocre at best is what we're looking at. Like they just can't get contact on the bat unless it's a home run. Uh, Charles LeBlanc is playing very well. The pitching rotation, Brian Hoeing, he's pretty much been like the Sandy of the rotation while Max Myers, the guy's going six, seven innings deep in the game, which is very impressive. Uh, that's pretty much all I got in the minor league. And then you mentioned Aguilar, to be honest with you, I don't think the Marlins really expected Aguilar to be what he's doing now because after he, really bad stint in tampa bay he's doing what he's doing now which is just out of this world so alex if you have any guys any thoughts on the triple a side of the minor leagues 
you know, I, I was a big fan of uh, Burdick. You know, he's hitting like 230, I believe, this season. You know, he's kind of like really, really big decline from his performance last year. Um, but in turn, in ter- there's like an injury. I know because like uh, uh, with the infield, I would like to see him called up because, like you know, Isaac said, at some point you got to see what they, what you know, what these players have. You know, and I would, and I would like to see him perform, probably do well. Um, but yeah, Eli, yeah, yeah, I'm a fan of Aguilar. He is playing out of this world. It's just that I, I, I just didn't think oh, in Marlins terms. Yeah, definitely. I just feel like Aguilar has just was not the plan for the the team in the future when at all, at all. Um, but Burdick is a name. Diaz is another name I want to see play. Like, but, but then again, you have Cooper as well. So, like, the, like there's a lot of moves that this team needs to make before th- they want to make room for their, these other guys like Diaz and Encarnacion. It's not just calling them up because then you're going to take away the playing time of guys you're paying a lot of money to with Garcia and Soler. And it's just like, a, at, at first, I was like, okay, but this could be a, a nice problem to have. But if you start calling up these players, that nice problem to have is just going to turn into a, a problem. And, and, and it's going to, you know, so... It's not just a couple moves. I feel like if you're gonna make the room for these, you know, for these young guys to play, then you have to determine what the direction of your season is gonna be. If you, you know, in the bigger, on the grand scheme of things. But yeah, no, I love Jesus. It's just, you know, I thought he would be like a Casey McGee, like you know, one guy, one year player. Okay, thanks, you know, for your, you know, thanks for your your service. But we're gonna continue moving on with what our plan is. And I feel like since the performance of this of the Marlins as a whole wasn't up to expectations he's these veterans kind of just lingered around a bit i think this is where we will end the podcast alex thank you for coming on man if you have any last words just it was a great time oh no yeah man i would love to come back this was great you know i love talking about the marlins and once again you like the fist stripes family has been extremely welcoming has been extremely gracious with me especially in the press box so everyone there um the, you know thank you guys to isaac to kevin to Eli and just everyone else in the Strikes family, you guys are amazing. Continue the great work. I, pre- I appreciate you guys having me on. Thank you so much. Yeah, and this is where we'll end it from Isaac, from Alex, from myself, Eli on the production side. Thank you guys for watching. We'll see you guys all in two weeks. Go fish. <laughs>